Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. We've been going through Leviticus, uh, looking at each kind of big section, and worked our way towards last week, the the Day of Atonement, a big day in all of Israel's history, uh, and continues to be a big day. It's really the day I believe that Jesus went to uh, the cross and fulfilled that day once for all covering of sin for, for all of us that would accept him, believe in him. Today we're going to conclude by looking at the last two chapters. And I kind of reserve them because I think they're a good conclusion. They help us to understand maybe what it means to actually live this out, to walk out what Leviticus has to say. I hope now that we're at the end of this, we've spent about seven, eight weeks now in the book of Leviticus, that next time you are reading a Bible reading plan and you come across it, you don't skip it. Uh, Maybe you have a little bit more insight now to um, get a few more things out of there. The book of Leviticus, as I started off the series saying, is what uh, the Jews have for years in Jewish tradition is what they actually teach to some of the youngest in their families. They find it that important. And so hopefully uh, we can be like the younger Jewish children, have a little bit of a grasp of what's happening in the book of Leviticus. And today we're going to talk more specifically about, okay, how do we actually walk this out? How do we live it out? And so just to give you a summary of the last two chapters, I'm not going to go through them verse by verse, although I'll highlight a few. Uh, You can go to Leviticus 26, verse 3. I'll the first verse I want to highlight to you. It says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Um, Some of you may remember Pastor Brent, uh, I don't know, he filled in or did an Easter message or something not too long ago, uh, and he loves this title of a sermon. Uh, Pastor Jim told me one of his favorite titles of one of Grandpa's messages was, um, Who Takes Out the Garbage? Um, I don't remember that when I was young enough, Um, but I do remember this one, uh, and it's even circled here in my Bible. Verse 3, it starts off with, if... That was the first word in his title. And the second word is in verse four in my Bible, then, if, then. Because if you go through scripture, there's a lot of if, then. If you do this, then God will do this. You can fill it in. You could probably summarize it down, all of those if, thens to these two verses. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. In other words, the produce of the rand is going to grow and provide for your every need. If you obey or if you walk in my statutes, then I will. It's also interesting if you you go down to verse 12, this theme of walking continues. It says, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord or Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be slaves. I have broken the band of your yoke and made you walk upright. It's interesting here in verse 12 that he says, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Because if you remember back to Genesis chapter three, really Genesis one, two, and three, that God, there's this picture of him walking with Israel in the garden walking with them. 
And they even hear his footsteps. They hear God walking in the garden. And God is now coming again, although humanity screwed it up and sinned, and yet coming saying, look, I want, I want there to be a people that are mine, that I walk among. God's longing to be present with his people. He's saying, look, if you walk in my ways, then I will be present among you. I will walk among you. Verse 14 comes down to the next part, though. It says, but if you do not obey me. So we could say verses 1 to 13 of chapter 26 are the blessings. If you walk in God's ways, these are the blessings. And then the longer part, starting at verse 14 all the way to the end of 26, are what we could call the curses. The curses. What, what does it mean if you don't walk in God's way? The, the what if of disobedience. The what if. If you go to verse 15, it says, if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhors my judgment so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant. Remember, covenant is a way of saying commitment. Commitment from God, and he's expecting a commitment from the people. I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you. So obviously the curses, the disobedience, even God is going to turn his face against them if they disobey. Chapter 27. Chapter 27 now gets into basically if you make a vow and you don't want to keep it, here is how you determine what that vow is worth with money. In other words, this is what most of us do today that takes tithe and offerings. We don't bring in our cows. We don't bring in the corn. We bring in a monetary value. Chapter 27 is kind of giving a monetary value for their, their land. What if you live far away from the temple and you have to come and make a sacrifice? Well, here's the monetary value. In other words, we call it the exchange rate of an animal for a shekel or silver or whatever they were using. It's how you determine value. We're not going to deal with that section as much today as I want us to talk about living out a life or walking out a life that points towards God. Leviticus, that's really the point. God establishing a people that if they live this way, they eat this way, they dress this way, their life will point towards God. Our life is to do the same thing. It's the point towards God. If we actually walk it out, walk out what God is saying to us, then we will point towards Jesus. We will make him Lord every day. But we have a few things we have to consider. So there are a few questions I just kind of want to walk through that maybe have come up as you look at Leviticus overall, maybe have come up just as I'm talking about blessings and cursings. Cursing, you may be thinking, oh, it's Halloween. Is he talking about witches waving a wand? No, it's probably a little more serious than that, not just Disney fun. It's sorrow. It's torment. What does that mean? So the first kind of question I want us to consider is what is the key to receiving God's blessings? And how do we avoid the curses? How do we receive God's blessing? How do we avoid the curses? 
I'm not talking about how do you receive salvation here. That's this simple. Understand Jesus is Lord. He, he lived a sinless life. He's the son of God who went to the cross, died for you and me to cover our sins. He rose again victorious. He's at the right hand of the father waiting to come back for his people. Here we're talking about, all right, even as believers, we understand that, but there's more. There's more for us. There's more that God wants to do, but God is only going to give us what we can handle. So how do we handle more? Some of those additional things, some of those blessings that God has for us. First of all, we're all blessed. If you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, in a basic sense, we are all blessed. We can't let other prosperity gospel as some would buy into or other forms tell us otherwise. You, you are blessed if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But God does have more for us to live out, to walk out. And so how do we receive that? Well, the basic is this, and Leviticus makes it very clear in details. Luckily, the New Testament summarizes it down to a few simple things. Maybe I'll highlight that another time. But the book of Leviticus in its details makes it clear that the key to blessing is really that obedience. And I would say an obedient heart. Don't think it's just the rituals that you get into. It's an obedient heart. How do you receive God's blessing? Have an obedient heart. How do you avoid the curses? Don't disobey him. If he tells you to do something, obey. Psalms 51, 16 to 17 really makes this clear. It says, for you do, this is the psalmist or probably David talking about God, says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. See, it's more than just obedience. Sometimes we want to follow a list of rules. We can read Leviticus, Leviticus and really think oh, all these details, it's about rules. No. That's why the psalmist makes it clear and through scripture makes it clear it's walking in God's ways. It's about a heart after God, an obedient heart. The Bible, the next question I want us to consider. And as you think about blessings and curses, you may think about this. If not, you've probably thought about it in other contexts, but it says the Bible teaches that God is good, right? It, it teaches God is good. Read through the Psalms. God is good. God is good. So why do these curses come if people disobey him? Why do they come? Maybe even brings us to this question that I'm sure most of us, if we were honest, have asked. Since the Bible teaches there are curses for disobedience, does that mean it is God's will when people suffer from disobedience? We've probably had those questions. If something bad happens, in part when we hear the if then, if you obey me, then there'll be blessing. If you disobey me, then there's going to be suffering. Scripture teaches that. We've probably wrestled with that. I think we also have to understand we don't want to be like the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders that Jesus comes and confronts who more often are pointing a finger saying, you did something wrong or your parents did something wrong, but somebody did something wrong and it's your fault. Now we do have to step back and say, okay, what's, what, what are we walking through? Is there something we have done wrong? But you and I aren't the ones that sit there always and be pointing the finger because most of the time when our finger comes out, we're not just trying to help somebody. We're, we're saying you deserve punishment. 
And Jesus makes it clear he's reserving that for himself, really for God. Punishment is never put in our hands in the New Testament. But the question comes, okay, if God says there to be curses, is it really God's will that they're suffering? Let me phrase it a different way. Think of it as a parent-child relationship. You want your child to obey. You tell them you eat your dinner, you get dessert. Right? You get cookies, ice cream, I don't know. How nice are you? Or if it's like my parents, you don't eat, you don't get dessert. Well, what is the will of my parents? The blessing or the cursing? Or if dad was in a not so good mood, you're going to sit there until you eat no matter what, and you still don't get dessert. <laughs> You've all probably done that. What is the will? What is God's will there? What does he actually long for? Now, what does he allow? Because he wants what? He wants to bless us. He wants to teach us. There's natural consequences in life because God wants us to understand how he intended for us to live. Now, it doesn't mean I follow Jesus, I'm blessed, everything works out perfectly because the New Testament tells us if you follow Jesus, then most of us at some point, the most glory that we can have is to follow in the suffering that he followed in. But it's not suffering from our disobedience. It's suffering that brings glory to God because we have obeyed him and the world has turned against us. There's a difference. All of us should in some ways almost long to bring that type of glory to God. That I've, I've followed him so closely, I've been obedient that even when I suffer, it's okay because it brings glory to God. Versus the suffering that I'm talking about here that is from disobedience. Disobedience, not following the natural course of life. What happens if you go very far up on a ladder and then you jump off the ladder? The natural consequence of gravity? Bang, you hit the ground, it's going to hurt. Farther up you are, the harder it's going to come down. Natural consequence. There's some of those built in. Jesus is, or God here in Leviticus is almost talking about that. There's some natural consequences. He's building that in so the people come back to him. But does that mean that those consequences are God's will? Some of you and other pastors may think so. I, I really don't. When I put it in the context of that parent-child relationship, I think it's really God's will is he wants them to get dessert at the end. He wants the blessing. He wants this relationship with them. And really the ultimate blessing, according to what I read, Leviticus 26, is his presence. His presence with them. That there's this fellowship that's happening, this back and forth with God. That's the ideal of a relationship with him. That face-to-face, -face, as Corinthians talks about. That we become more and more like him few verses from the New Testament I think help us understand this is Acts 1038 says how talking about Jesus says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing what what is Jesus about doing good and healing we could go through the book of the gospel and see Jesus went about teaching preaching preaching 
and healing over and over again, teaching, preaching, and healing. Here, even in the book of Acts, it, it summarizes it down to he's doing good and healing. And then it says, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So you have really the picture here of good and evil. Who does good? Jesus. And what is he doing? He's healing those who are oppressed by the devil. Tells us that there is an impact in the spiritual realm from Satan, that Jesus come and, comes and confronts. There's an authority there actually that you and I even have as believers because we're, he has all authority. We go therefore and make disciples in his name. So there's authority that comes through Jesus when we come against the enemy. But it tells us what's, what's God about? Doing good, healing. What's the enemy about? Oppression, coming against people. John 10, 10, it also tells us, it says the thief. Now, some of us may think it's referring to Satan. Well, you go back and read John 10, it's actually probably referring to the religious leaders. Because let's be honest, we often have a false view of Satan and we think he's like God and he's omnipresent. He's not. Now, does he have people working for him, the demonic realm? Yes. But is Satan himself omnipresent? No. We oftentimes want to blame him or his realm and, and in most cases we can't. But we also have to understand that there are, are people that are influenced in that way that also cause issues. Here, I think that's the thief. Those that have maybe been influenced incorrectly. Because the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. See, there's this, these two pictures here. God who does good and then the devil or the enemy and his forces that come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God now says, it talks about him. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In the garden, we could ask, what was God's will? Was it for them to live in the garden and have this intimate relationship with their creator? Or did he really want them to go to the tree and eat of the fruit and have their minds now open? Because he really suffering and all suffering goes back to that point. Sickness may not be because of sin that we have, but it is because of sin of Adam and Eve that it entered the world. We have to go back and say, okay, when we talk about God's will and what God wants to do, we need to walk out his ways, but we also have to have a mindset that what God wants to do is good. See, the world, we talk about that sometimes, is the world is opposed to often what God wants to do. And the world wants to tell us, no, what we want, what we think feels good, so therefore it is good. No, we have to have the mindset, no, what God wants, his ways are what is good. Should it should bring us to the point of say, okay, I, I long to know what is his way. How do, I, how do I live that way? Because that's what's going to bring God's presence. That's what's going to bring God's blessing in my life. And just like the garden, I believe again, that God's will isn't for them to be cursed, isn't for the ground to be cursed, for there to be pain and childbirth. You know, different curses we read there in Genesis 3. God's will was for them to live in this ideal sanctuary with him in the garden. But God wanted there to be free will, and so he allowed them to partake of the tree. It's the same thing today. 
God's will isn't for there to be this sin and suffering, but he does allow it so that there is this choice. And ultimately, hopefully we all make the choice to choose him. Amen. Today, as I come to a conclusion of both this series as well as the last kind of two, two chapters here, I think the important language, and it's the language I like because it's the language we see in the garden, it's the language we see here, it's the language we also see in the book of Romans and other New Testament writings, and that's about how we walk. How, how are we going to walk out each day? Are we going to choose to serve God? Are we going to choose to have a heart that is seeking him? Are we going to choose the way of the world? Are we going to choose the way of influence from the evil realm, the devil? Are we ourselves maybe even going to be that thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Are we going to choose to live life like Jesus who came to do good and heal all who were oppressed by the devil? How are we going to walk it out? How are you going to walk it out? I think it's why Jesus said, well, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily decision we all make. Do we daily pick up that cross and say, I'm going to walk after Jesus? Now we have the benefit, although again, Leviticus gives us the detail. I think we also have to say, praise the Lord, we can now eat bacon. That, that's my best picture for us understanding, okay, the New Testament has moved us beyond a little bit. Doesn't mean God doesn't want obedience, doesn't mean that, but now we have the privilege of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of us, giving us a new heart. See, God's always wanted it to be an internal decision. And so he's done it now so much that he's, he's now allowed the way for him to come and live inside of us. So we're going to live like the New Testament says and walk by the spirit of God. How are we going to choose to walk? If you're a believer, you have the ability to walk by the spirit. That's why we don't need a big list like Leviticus has. We need the spirit of God inside of us, the spirit of God coming and directing us. I'm going to have the worship team uh, go ahead and come up uh, now. I like what Pastor Jim said about when they moved from here up to New Lenox. All right, God was going to do ministry how God chose to do ministry. When we reflect about God really wanting us to walk it out, that's really the choice every day is how is God going to minister through me wherever he's placed me? Yeah, I'm going to seek after him, but God also cares about others. So how am I going to minister to others as I'm walking this out? And that's going to look different for each one of us because God's put us all in a unique spot just where he wants us. We have teachers in how many different school systems? Scott's probably the furthest south. Carrie's probably the furthest over to the west. Well, Miss Kim's here. She's the furthest north, I bet. All right, our schools are represented. We have how many businessmen that are represented in different places? How many grocery stores do we all go to? Well, we know Junior has one he prefers. Because that's where he works. But are we actually walking out this relationship with God, but also walking out where he's placed us? Don't get lost in the rules, but come and say, all right, God, 
Holy Spirit, what's the instruction for me, for my life? Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.singamonvalley.net.